Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 so how many of you have a friend that has access to your house no matter what and what i'm talking about is that kind of friend that, that when they come to your house they don't knock right here's the door they come to your house they just open the door and walk right in how many of you have a friend like that? You know, those people are the people that you allow access into your life, that you're not ashamed to share with them your mess. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter if there's dishes in the sink. It doesn't matter if there's laundry on the floor. It doesn't matter if your kids' toys are spewing about the house. They can come in no matter what. They have access to your home, into your life, whether or not they knock. This morning, the question that I want to challenge you with is whether or not Jesus has that same access into your life today. That you don't care what messes are there, that you don't care what questions are there, what doubts are there, what fears are there, what kind of sin is there, that you want Jesus to have full access into your home, into your heart, no matter what you're dealing with. He deserves that kind of access. If anyone deserves that kind of access, it is Jesus who deserves that kind of access. But the fear that I have is that so many of us lock our doors and we're afraid of what Jesus really is going to think of us, think about our sin, think about our doubts, think about our fears, think about those challenges. And so rather than allow full access, we keep the door shut. And we try to compartmentalize our faith and we allow Jesus access to certain areas, but you know there's just some areas where you don't want him to come in. We have to allow full access. We gotta give the key to the Lord, the key to our hearts, the key to our doors, the key to our homes, amen? See, this morning James is going to challenge us with the fact that Jesus is approaching the door. And the question is whether or not you are prepared for Jesus to come knocking on your door. Pick it up with me in James chapter 5, verse 7. We're going to read this in its entirety, the text we're going to look at today, and then we'll come back and 
tear it apart. Look at this. Be patient, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. James is clear over and over again in this text. He says, the coming of the Lord is near. The coming of the Lord is at hand. The judge is standing at the door. Are you ready? Are you prepared? And then his challenge to the believer in this text is that because we understand, because we know that the judge is approaching, that we need to exhibit patience. Patience is essential in the life of a believer. If you're taking notes, I want you to bring out your note, your bulletin, First point, number one, patience is essential. And if we're honest with ourselves, we live in a culture where patience is really not that sought after. We have microwave ovens for a reason. You can eat a burrito in less than 60 seconds for a reason, right? How many of you, when you walk into Costco, your eyes are scanning to try to figure out which line is the shortest? You, some of you even count how many items are in the baskets, to try. Now, it doesn't matter what I do, I will always choose the wrong line. So I'm just at the point now where I'm just going to settle in, I'm just going to figure that this is where I'm going to be for the next few minutes, and I'm just going to wait it out, right? I had to learn patience. You guys have to learn patience in traffic. Some of you are not very patient in traffic. You know, you know the, one of the worst things is waiting for gas at Costco. How many can agree with that? Again, it doesn't matter which line you choose, it's going to be the one that's there the longest, right? You might as well settle in. James, over and over, repeatedly throughout his epistle that he's writing to believers, he says, you have to seek after patience. He began his epistle by saying that we should count it all joy, brothers, when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience or steadfastness. And let patience have its perfect work in your life so that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That God is going to use your trials, use your heartache, use the storms of life to increase your capacity of patience. Now in this text, it's a compound word that he uses here in James chapter 5, the word patience. And it's from two words in the Greek, the first word being long and the second word being tempered. So literally what this word is saying is that we have to have a long fuse, a lot of patience, long tempered, specifically when it comes to other people. Anyone in the room have people that they just, they just grate on your nerves and you have real trouble with patience with them? How many of you are that person to someone else in life? Be honest. Purposefully, you do it on purpose and you enjoy it, right? This text is saying that we have to be patient. We have to have a long fuse. We have to be long-tempered. It has to take a lot 
to, to rouse our anger or our passions, that we have to be in it for the long haul. Now, here's the thing. The scripture is filled with people, stories of people who lacked patience, and because they lacked patience, they lost out on the blessings of God. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. You, you guys ever go, go into like a holiday party or something, and there's that one guy that's always acting like a fool? right? And you think, I don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy that misses out on God's blessings because you lacked patience, the, imbil- the ability to endure, that long fuse. Stories after stories after stories of people in the scripture who lack patience. Take Moses, for example. Moses lost out on the privilege of going into the promised land with the children of Israel because he lacked patience with the people. In his anger, he struck the rock a second time when they were pleading for water. And God says, that's not my heart. You were harsh towards the people. And my heart in this moment is not harsh towards them. You've misrepresented me. And because of that, because you didn't believe me, because you didn't represent me rightly, you're not going to be able to go into the land of promise. He missed out on God's promises because he lacked patience with people. He was harsh when God's heart was not harsh. Listen to me. People, church, would that accurately describe the way you treat people this morning? When someone is waiting on you for a meal, are you harsh with them? When God's heart towards them is not harshness, When you watch Fox News and you hear what the liberals are doing, is your heart towards them harsh when God's heart may not be harsh? The scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Where is your heart at? See, Moses lacked the the patience to bear with the people in the midst of their doubts, in the midst of their fears, and because of it, he lost out on God's promises. Take Abraham, for example, as one who missed out uh, on maybe the fullness of God's promises because he lacked patience. He was promised, you're gonna be a great nation. Through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed, and he couldn't have a child with his wife, so his wife says, I want you to sleep with my servant, and we'll use that child as the child to fulfill God's promise. And because of it, there was discord and there was disagreement and there was tension in the home, so much so that Abraham had to send his son off, Ishmael off, and Hagar off because they couldn't get along within the home. He lost out on the fullness of God's promises, of God's reward because he lacked the proper patience. Take Peter, for example, in the midst of the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he is, he's being betrayed by Judas into the hands of the the religious leaders. And Peter takes out a sword and he lops off Malchus's ear and he's saying, I want the kingdom now. I want to fight for authority and for power now. And he wants to forego the cross and he wants to forego the burial and the resurrection. He wants to skip the gospel so that he can rule today. That's a lack of patience. See, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. A proper definition of the word patience is to forego immediate pleasure for the promise of a future reward. Someone who's patient can forego immediate pleasure for the promise of a future reward. Now, we also are blessed with story after story in Scripture of people who saw the big picture, of people who weren't concerned with the sprint, but they were concerned with the marathon of life. Those people who set their hearts on the finish line, even for the sake of the present. Take, for instance, Noah, who was 
approached by God and, and God said, I'm gonna judge the world with a flood, but you will be spared if you build a boat, you and your family can go into this boat and find rest and find refuge in the midst of my judgment if you'll build this boat. And he believed God's promise and he spent decade after decade after decade after decade after decade building a boat so that he and his family could be spared. That's patience. That's seeing the promise of God, I will spare you in judgment if you obey me and build the boat. The stories go on and on and on. Jacob is a man in scripture who was, was so in love with a woman by the name of Rachel that he, he gave seven years of his life to Rachel's father in order to earn her hand in marriage. Seven years he became a servant in order to receive his bride in marriage. And when the night came, the father duped him and switched his older daughter for his younger daughter. And he woke in the morning laying next to Leah, Rachel's older sister. And the father says, Laban says, you know what? If you really want my younger daughter, you'll have to work another seven years. And do you know what he does? He works another seven years. Why? Because the reward was worth it. He was willing to sacrifice and be patient today because the reward was worth it. Listen to what the scripture says of the heart of Jacob. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him to be but a few days because of the love that he had for her. That's the kind of patience that I want when it comes to the things of the Lord. I don't want to be so enamored with the world or with worldly pursuits or with worldly wealth or worldly riches or worldly treasures, all that glistens and glitters and gleams in the world. I don't want to be so enraptured by those things that I forget what my real love is and my real love is waiting for me. I want to live for that moment, not for this moment. I want to be patient. Now, James tells us the specific purpose behind this patience. Again, verse seven. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Why are we patient? Because the Lord is coming. Because the Lord is on the way. Because the Lord is, is going to arrive. And here, here's the thing. In context, we have to see this. James is the half-brother of Jesus. They shared the same the, the same. Mother, not the same father, obviously Jesus born of God, right? But their half-brother, James watched Jesus grow, watched Jesus mature, watched Jesus operate in the gifts of the Spirit, watched him being led by the Spirit, watched him perform miracle after miracle after miracle. And while these things were happening, he didn't believe. But when Jesus rose from the dead, his opinion of Jesus changed. And he says, there's no possible way that someone could rise from the dead like that. He must be God. And now he here is saying to the church, thousands of years later, as we read this, you be patient, keep your eyes on the finish line because the Lord is coming. There's a reason why you're patient. There's a reason why you wait. And it's because Jesus is on the way. Now, in the scripture, there are three Greek words that you are used to describe the coming, the second coming of Jesus. And I want us to look at these together. The first word that we see is parousia. So if you're taking notes, they should be in your notes already, I think, maybe parousia. The word means an arrival, but even more specifically, this word was used of a military conquering, a military invasion. When a foreign army invades a country, this word was used, and it's also used of a visiting king that comes into one of his provinces that he controls. 
Now, as we look at these three words that describe the coming of the Lord, we're going to see a big picture. And it's going to, I think, impact us with just how faithful we need to be in our patience because he's on his way. First word, we look at the, the arrival of a king, the invading of an army. Second word that is used is the word epiphania in the Greek. And this word literally means the appearance of a god to a worshiper, or even more specifically, it was used of Roman emperors when they ascended to the throne. Again, in their culture, the Roman emperor was considered deity. He was God in flesh. And so when the emperor ascended to his throne, this word was used. The same word that we have uh, being used of Jesus' second coming. So we put these two words together. We have the, the invasion of a conquering king into his province and his ascension to the throne. Third specific word that is used of Jesus' second coming is the word in Greek, apocalypsis, which literally means an unveiling or a laying bare of glory. So what is Jesus' coming described as to the church? It's described as the invasion of a king into a country, his ascension to the throne, and his laying bare of his glory. That is the description of Jesus' arrival according to the scriptures. That is why we must be patient because the conquering king is going to come again and he will lay bare his glory and every eye will see it for what it is and every tongue will confess that he is Lord and every knee will bow before him and so we as the church must be prepared. We must be waiting. We must be watching for the moment that the king comes to the door because he's about to invade, he's about to conquer, he's about to take his throne, and he's about to reveal his glory. Beautiful promise in scripture that we wait for. So our first point is the essential of patience, that patience is essential. Second point, if you're taking notes with us, is now the, the, James is going to give this amazing description of what patience looks like by using three examples. And so the examples of patience that he's going to use, the first example that we see is of a farmer who works. Again, back in James chapter five, read this with me. Verse seven, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. The king is on his way. He's coming to his throne. Glory will be revealed. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. So he says the kind of patience that you need to exhibit is the kind of patience that farmers exhibit. And I don't know if any of you in here are uh, involved in agriculture industry here in the valley or if you know someone who is but farmers have to exhibit patience because there are so many factors that that lend to their the, their harvest that are outside of their control they can't control the weather they can't control the precipitation they can't control what kind of bugs are in their fields i mean they could try to spray insecticides and things but some, some of those things are just outside of their control they can't control how many days of sun there are and how many days of overcast weather they are there are they can't control whether or not the the sun scorches their fruit or their harvest it's outside of their control and these farmers have to be patient they have to stay the long course he says, there's a precious fruit that is hanging in the balance, and if they're not patient, they will miss out on the precious fruit, the valuable fruit. 
Now, for, for you and I that aren't involved necessarily in the agricultural industry, it's difficult to understand because we go to the supermarket and we pull out a credit card or a debit card and we buy fruit. But during these days, the economy was tied to the harvest. They had to have a good harvest in order to trade for what their needs were in life. Their livelihood was attached to the fruitfulness of their harvest. If the harvest was plentiful, if the harvest was good, they had a, a great year. If the harvest was bad, if it was down, they were hungry. The fact of the matter is that for believers, our livelihood is also attached to fruit, but we're just not living like it. See, Jesus himself said that they will be able to recognize false prophets, those who are there with God and those who aren't, those who have a, 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 you know, good lip service. They talk a good talk, but their heart really isn't there. They're gonna recognize those type of people that talk a good talk, but don't really walk the walk by their fruit. He goes on, he says, a good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. In the same way, they're gonna know whether or not these are really my disciples by their fruit. What kind of fruit does the Lord receive when he comes to your branches? Is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? Are you a good tree or are you a bad tree? See, James has already gone through this and we've read that our, our works will never save us, but our works are evidence that we've been saved. Your fruit cannot save you but your fruit is evidence as to whether or not you've been saved. Are we tracking? Are we tra if we're tracking, say yes. yes. Listen to this. Galatians chapter five, this is how Paul put it. Concerning the kind of fruit that you bear. Write it down, you don't have to turn there. He says this, now the works of the flesh are evident. He's gonna contrast here the works of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. Is your tree good or is your tree bad? Now, the works of the flesh, they're evident. They're clearly seen. There's no question that that's the flesh, he says. And these are the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality. How many of you are involved in a sexually immoral lifestyle? Sex outside of marriage. How many of you are involved in pornography? How many of you have lust in your heart? How many of you are playing footsies with someone that isn't your spouse? Listen to this. These are the works of the flesh. This is not the fruit Jesus is looking for. This means you're walking in the flesh. Again, let me read this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, which could be drug use or addiction, idolatry, making anything else bigger than God, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Anger, that's of the flesh. That's not the spirit, that's the flesh. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, these, uh, and things like these. And I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is what Paul says. But he goes on now and he's gonna tell you, but this is what it looks like if you're walking in the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. So when the Lord comes looking for fruit on your tree, what does he find? Does he find the works of the flesh or does he find the fruits of the spirit? 
Because you want to be a tree that is fit and ready. You want to be a tree that Jesus is looking for when he comes. When the judge arrives, when Jesus comes back, what kind of fruit will he find on your tree? He tells a parable in Luke chapter 13, does Jesus, about a fig tree that was bearing no fruit. And the, the owner of the vineyard was impatient with this fig tree. And for three years, it hadn't borne any fruit. And so the owner of the vineyard says to the, the, the vineyard keeper, I want you to tear it down. I want you to throw it into the fire. It's just taking up space. And the vine dresser, the one who, who was tending the vineyard, said to the owner of the vineyard, give me a year. Let me dig down to the roots. Let me expose the roots let me make sure that nothing's sickly underneath the surface. Let me make sure that I can fertilize it and feed it and give it the proper nutrients. And if it's still not bearing fruit a year from now, then you can cut it down. But first, let me get my hands in it. Jesus wants to get his hands in you today. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977